0: Paul oh, man, hold it together. <laughs> Connect I'm, the dots, my guy. <laughs> I'm really watching you struggle, flounder. You're floundering.
1: Hello, hello, hello. hello. We're back. Yes, it is our final Pride episode. Oh, that's so sad. I know. It's been such a fun month. We've had some really great films this month.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: I'm trying to think. So we did, what What movie did we start off with? We did But I'm a Cheerleader, then Debs, then Fire Island, mm-hmm. then Fried Green, green. Tomatoes, yeah. and now we're here with our last film.
0: I had seen, but I'm a cheerleader in Debs, but mm-hmm. like super long ago, could like at that point, could not remember the entire plot and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, really, these were kind of like newer movies for me.
1: Yeah. The only one that I had seen was Fried Green Tomatoes, which I'd watched like once years ago. Um, so, it was really great to like watch a bunch of new movies because. We don't often do new movies, especially ones that have, like, come out recently. So, like, getting to watch Fire Island and today's movie, which are very recent, Mm -hmm. was really cool just to kind of see, you know, like, where we've been and where we're going. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that the movies were relatively positive. Yeah. Like, not too many negative – shitty situations Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah we wanted to kind of focus more so on like queer joy as much as possible because there are so many like tragedies Mm -hmm. uh, both in film and in life so whenever we get to kind of focus on something more positive and hopeful it's always something we want to do
0: absolutely well with that being said should we tell the people the movie
1: yeah yeah so today we are doing 2020's The Half of It. And we actually had talked about this movie in our Love, Simon episode two years ago now. Oh, my gosh. We had discussed this movie with our guest, Eliana, about how it had just oh yeah. come out and that we both really wanted to see it. And now we finally have. I know. I It's weird that I haven't
0: seen this movie. Like, I don't know why I didn't. Watch, I think I forgot that it existed. Yeah. But the premise is, like, off the bat, super interesting, young, well, she's, like, 17, so at the end of high school, she is in love with this girl, she'll never tell her, Mm -hmm. makes a friend with local sausage (laughs) uh, prince,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Paul Munsky. The sausage himbo of uh, Squamish. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we found out while, you know, doing a little research Mm -hmm. that it's a loose adaptation of Cyrano.
1: Yeah. So
0: didn't see that coming. But I guess any plot where it's like, I'm in love. I'm writing someone else letters on like for them. That's pretty much a loose adaptation. Mm
1: -hmm. This is also the second kind of classic adaptation that we've done this month cuz Fire Island was yeah. Pride and Prejudice but yeah I really I really enjoyed the overall feel of this movie because it is very different to the other like Netflix rom-coms that have come out of late like To All the Boys or Kissing Booth mm-hmm. all of those this just feels very grounded bro I hated Kissing Booth <laughs> Well yeah Kissing Booth is a whole other <laughs> monster for us to tackle but Yeah, this movie just felt so, like, cozy and comfortable and grounded. And at times it felt a little bit slow to me. But then I just kind of realized that it's just a different pace Mm -hmm. than I feel like we're kind of accustomed to when it comes to the teen rom-com. Because they're usually so, like, outlandish and, like, they have these little, like, kooky, wacky characters. But I think the beauty of this movie is that our main character like doesn't even know that she's the main character in her own story.
0: Yeah, yeah, she felt so relatable and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed I'll I'll save all my yeah, thoughts for <laughs> during the movie. But Alice Wu, the director and the writer. Yes. She wrote it. Yeah. yeah, and produced. Yeah. Oh my gosh, talented lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she also did Saving Face 2004, so it's like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, also stars uh, Asian American woman in that movie. And it's yeah. like a super interesting plot. Definitely recommend watching Saving Face. And then yeah, she made this movie. And I think that her perspective is so interesting. And it's so well developed without having to Do too much. Like, Mm -hmm. different directors have different styles. Of course, like, Baz Luhrmann is, like, the glitz and the glamour baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But she did a great job at just doing, like, realism. Like, really Mm -hmm. great realism. Um, And it's also really interesting because... I think that the way she had them talk as teenagers was very authentic.
1: Definitely, yeah. And that can be so, it's usually miss more than it's hit yeah. in movies that come yeah. out today. Cause it's like, I don't know, you grow up and you forget how like teens talk to each other. But these, yeah, these, yeah. these all felt like normal people. I could totally see like any teenager having the, the sort of conversations that we saw in this movie. Nothing felt like super hammed up. I also really loved, um, This was, like, a very conscious choice by Alice Wu was to not film any phone screens as much as possible. Yeah, I really like that. Because that that would date the movie instantly. So just to have, like, the text on screen whenever they were texting, I thought was, like, a really smart choice, too. And will kind of help with the longevity of this film.
0: Yeah, I really liked that. Because, honestly, like, I hate cell phones being used as devices. Same. But they did use, like, letters and Mm -hmm. then... They did move to texting, which I feel like is a natural progression. Yes, totally. So yeah, definitely having that on the screen instead of being like, "Well, here's the iOS seven, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this is what it looked like." So yeah, yeah I thought it was all around just really well crafted, mm-hmm. and it won of the founders award for best narrative feature at the 2020 Tribeca Film Fest.
1: Yeah, it got really fantastic reviews it has like a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes and while Mm -hmm. we have our beef with rotten tomatoes um they did get this one right so yeah (laughs) we'll allow it (laughs) i definitely think
0: um all the like review snippets that i read were Mm -hmm. were really accurate just being authentic fun yeah yeah i'm excited to talk about it but before we do
1: have a couple of reviews for you all so first up we have a review from olalins hololins thank you so much for the review and for you we decided to go for some peak nostalgia Mm -hmm. with a dream is a wish the cover by the disney channel circle of stars And the way that this song song gets me so hyped up for no reason, but I'm just, like, punching the air as I'm listening to Mm -hmm. that bridge. It's so good. And for your montage, I am seeing this as, like, very much a decom plot where you're just, like, the normal, average person at your school and then all of a sudden, oh my god, you've been plucked from obscurity and now you're about to be a global superstar. Whoa.
0: And
1: I know. Maybe <laughs> it's a case of mistaken identity. Maybe you were discovered on the streets. Whatever, whatever really fits in your soul. But you're about to be this huge star. You are going to, like, perform your first ever concert. And you were, like, getting ready in the dressing room. And this song is playing as you're, like... Getting your hair done and you're putting on your outfit, you're doing your warm ups, and you just look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, is this my life? Like, can I do this? <laughs> and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. And you head to that stage to make your grand debut as the next international pop star. That's incredible. Thank you. Disney, hire me to write your next ECOM, okay? <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, Ooh. Lord so
0: the next review we have is from cat rose minor you said so funny and defo bingeable thank you yes thank you so much we tried to find you we could not pin down exactly (laughs) who you were your Mm -hmm. instagram so we kind of gave you a fitting song we gave you nothing on you with B.O.B. and Bruno Mars. Because we have nothing on you. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of elusive, kind of mysterious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, for the montage, I picture you going to a party. Maybe it's like a really cool, um, like empty warehouse party where like you have to get in with like a password or something. And you go and you just... Have a blast. You look incredible. Mm. You meet someone. You share some dances. And before you leave, they try to, like, get your number. But you kind of just, like, laugh and you, like, shrug it off. And you're like, it's been a great night. But you just want to leave it at that.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow. So mysterious. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the reviews. We will be continuing on next week with some more. And if you would like a little montage shout-out, all you have to do is leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Always like, feel free to DM us or email us with anything about yourself. We always like to make them personal. So, mm-hmm. yeah. With that being said, shall we head into the up? Let's just jump into it. All right.
0: We get an opening um, animation. And Ellie narrates that the ancient Greeks used to believe humans were born with four arms, four legs, and two faces, but then the gods were afraid that humans wouldn't need them anymore, so they split them apart to leave them longing for their other half, and when one half finds its other, there is an unspoken understanding, and each half would know no greater joy than this."
1: Yeah, there's a very cool like stop motion um, kind of sequence that's happening here. Yeah. What is it called when it's – is it literally called like 2.5D when it's not 2D or 3D when it has like elements of both?
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: I feel like there's a term for it and somebody's probably like screaming it on the other end uh, of their (laughs) headphones. But yeah, it has like drawn elements but also like some 3D elements with like Mm -hmm. crumpled up paper and stuff. And actually, there are a couple of Easter eggs in this opening sequence. Yeah,
0: some images. Mm
1: -hmm, That we will see later on. So we'll talk about those later. Those tools will be, Mm. what's the thing? This is a helpful tool that will come in handy later. Mm -hmm. So Ellie says that, you know, of course, the ancient Greeks never went to high school or they'd realize that we don't need the gods to mess things up for us. We see kind of, like, images of different people in high school. There's, like, a random couple that's making out. And then once they're done, they're, like, cool, that was great, whatever, bye. And Ellie talks about how people, like, spend too much time looking for people to complete them. But how do people find love and, like, make it last? Life is just meaningless. We then see her, like, kind of doing her morning tasks. She is, like – printing out all of these different papers on Mm play-doh and writing like kids names on them so she has her own business where she writes kids papers for them and it's an a or you don't pay wow we then kind of see our first actual full shot of ellie because um, we haven't really seen her face up until this point. And it's a mirror shot. And there's so much, like, mirror imagery throughout this movie. Definitely as, like, a reference to that kind of, like, mirror image that is talked about in, like, the um, – in, like, the opening sequence. Yeah. But the first time we see her face is through a mirror where she has her to-do list, like, written mm-hmm. over her face, which is definitely, like – Uh, a comment on the fact that she only sees herself as like the things that she has to do because this is very much like a story through her her lens so even when looking at herself she doesn't see a person she sees all of her like responsibilities and obligations yeah and she's doing
0: a lot before school Mm -hmm. she's doing the job at the station she's printing out all these papers she's um, checking off like you know breakfast uh, Mm -hmm. whatever like train laundry da, da, da. Mm. like there's a whole bunch of chores
1: yeah and then we also see her bike to school and some like assholes in their fucking car drive by and they're like oh ellie Chu, chugga chugga choo choo, which um i did read was actually a nickname that alice Wu was called growing up they would call her chugga chugga woo woo as she rode her bike to school
0: that stings horrible yeah, so we definitely are already aware that, like, the town is mostly just, like, white people. Mm-hmm. It's, like – I think that they're in California, but it's kind of – They're in Washington State. Washington State, okay. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, rural mm-hmm. and pretty – one one train town, one, one car town. I don't know what one it's called. One horse town. One horse town. Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. So – Ellie goes to band, and I'm like, is this still before the beginning of the school day? Like, oh, my God. Girl's getting up at 4 a.m. Literally. Holy moly. The band teacher tells all the students that the talent show is mandatory for seniors and kind of drones on about information. So Ellie takes this moment to hand out everyone's papers. Um, They pay her through the the Hushmo app, (laughs) and um, she collects her money. And one person is like, "Oh, pass this down to the big man." And we see Trigg. he gets his paper. You can tell he's like Mr. Popular. Yeah. And uh, one band member decides to ask this girl to the spring fling, and she literally gawks at this text and posts it on social media, oh my and God. It says "nerd alert" on it, like <sighs> devastating. Yeah. And the whole class bursts out in laughter, too. Like, everyone's following this. So, yeah, definitely not a – it's not a progressive school here. Yeah. Like, they're not like, yes, no online harassment. We're making a safe space. Like, it's like, listen, this is high school. This is an
1: unsafe space, actually.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> Finally, they start to sing. Aster, um, who is, like, Trig's girlfriend, leads the song. I think that she's, like, leading it because her voice is above the rest. But I don't know if that's just Ellie's perspective. I
1: Because they are all singing together. I think it is Ellie's perspective. Yeah. Because she is, like, completely entranced by Aster. Like, very clear. She Mm -hmm. has, like, a huge crush on her. And we're really seeing it through her eyes. Which I think is why we kind of get this, like, little sequence of all the students, like, talking. Because Ellie is very much, like, not a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of like her observing Like a fly on the wall Which is why we get to hear All these tiny little like snippets of conversations With like the the kid being bullied for asking the girl out We hear like Trig in his whatever conversation He's like, I'm not the man that I want to be But like I will be Or something like that Yeah, something yeah.
0: insane mm-hmm. And while Aster is singing she's a gorgeous voice mm-hmm. Allie is entranced And we hear her narrate uh, this is not a love story or not one where anyone gets what they want and outside mm. paul munsky is running laps for football practice but he stops when he hears aster sing wow.
1: mhm the setup it's all it's all there they actually don't really waste a lot of time with like exposition yeah. i feel like they do a pretty good job of like getting right to it but Next thing we know, we're in the hallway and we see Ellie signing up for the winter talent show. It is mandatory. She then uh, goes to her English class where the teacher, I don't know how to pronounce this, Miss Gesselshop? Yeah, Gesselshop, maybe. Mrs. G. I'm gonna go with yeah. that so I don't butcher it. Mrs. G, uh, who I know first and foremost as Hannah Horvath's mom from Girls. So <laughs> true. But she's been so in tons true. of stuff. Yeah. Mrs. G, she is teaching the class about no exit. Uh, and she is kind mm-hmm. of talking about the quote, Hell is other people. Nobody in the class could give less of a shit at this point totally the bell rings and she reminds them of like you know their papers due on monday and as ellie is going to hand in her play-doh paper Mrs. G tells Ellie that she's really impressed that she managed to write six different takes on Plato. Yikes. Clearly, clearly knows about Ellie's little side business, but mm-hmm. she's fine with it because she'd rather read Ellie's papers than the papers that these students would actually write. And then she suggests that maybe Ellie apply to Grinnell College, which is her alma, alma mater. But Ellie is like, no, 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 I'm going to Edub. That way I can, like, I have a full ride. I can live at home. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. G tells her that she spent four of the best years of her life at Grinnell. But then Ellie reminds her that she still ended up back in Squamish anyways. Yeah. And then Mrs. G is like, yeah, you're right. Stay away from the liberal arts. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before Ellie leaves, she tells Mrs. G not to get fired over the weekend. Because I think she mentions, like, going to a bar or something. And Mrs. G is like, oh, don't forget, everyone fears God, but God fears the teacher's union.
0: (laughs) So true. So Ellie rides home, and on her way back, the same teens heckle her who, like, said chugga-chugga-choo-choo that morning. Yeah. Then we see Paul yelling out for Ellie Allie either doesn't care or doesn't hear him. So he actually stops her bike and she like falls off. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, hey. And yells at him. Paul just kind of is standing there as a himbos want to do. Yes. And she's like, okay, you know, $20 for two pages, uh, $40 for four pages. And he's like, no, I – don't want you to write my assignment and hands her a letter. And she looks at the letter. It's addressed to Aster Flores.
1: <gasps>
0: oh my God. Yeah. And she's like, I can't write a love letter to Aster. I can't write a love letter. Like, that would be wrong. It's inauthentic. And she's like, a letter is supposed to be personal. Get the thesaurus, use spell check, bye. And Paul's like, I can pay more for authentic. But she just rides off.
1: So at home, Ellie is working on one of her many papers while her dad is watching Casablanca. And as they're watching, the lights start to flicker. And she asks her dad in Mandarin if he called the power company. But he says no, since they don't understand his accent. And she asks if he even tried. And he just cuts her off. and He's like, no, no, no. Shh. This is the best part. And then we hear the line, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And the two of them smile at each other. And Ellie says that she'll call them tomorrow. So
0: Ellie goes to the engineering booth at the train station and calls the power company. In the morning, she's still on hold. And she tries to get an extension for their bill. She's on the phone, walking through the hall. Someone bumps into her. And she drops all of her books and papers. Who should come by? Mm. But Miss Astra Flores. Oh my God, a Meet Cute. Yes. And Ellie introduces herself and Astra's like, I know you've been playing every Sunday at my dad's services for a long time. You're his favorite accompanist, even though you're a heathen. Mm. Um, and she says something about like how her father can't stand bad accompanist, even if they do believe in God. (laughs) Yeah. So Aster notices Ellie has a Remains of the Day book and says that she loved it and um, hands her back her cell phone just as the bell rings. Ellie is in shock that she had this conversation with her, someone she's admired from afar for so long. Mm -hmm. And she kind of says, like, my name is Ellie Chu, forgetting she's on the phone Mm -hmm. and the person on the line says, yes, um, you have an overdue bill. And if we don't get a p- minimum payment of at least $50, we will have to terminate the power tomorrow. Perfect timing. Mm. Ellie sees Paul in the hallway and agrees to do just one letter for $50.
1: Yes. So she then meets up with Paul in the chapel and reads the letter that he has written, which I will now read for you, which is <laughs> – oh gosh. Dear Aster, I think you're really beautiful, but even if you were ugly, I'd want to know you, because you are smart and nice, too. It's hard to find all those things in one girl, but even if you were only two of those things, I'd be into it. But you're like all three, just to be clear. (laughs) About me, some people think I'm the cutest one in my family, those people being my grandma, who's dead now. Never mind about my dead grandma. All I'm trying to say is, I like fries. (laughs) I like dipping them in my milkshake. Is that weird? It's actually really tasty. Would you like to try them with me sometime? Let me know. I work part-time and I have a truck. Let me know whenever. Thanks, Paul Munsky. Second string tight end football. Oh, Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. The simplest thoughts trickling through that brain.
0: Smooth brain. It's like I like the fries and when the
1: fries go in the milkshake and I eat it it's tasty. Do you want to try? I can drive us there. I have a job. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Oh lord. It's very is he's very sweet and well intentioned. Um you know, straight to the point, I guess. No flowery language, just right to it. <laughs> Never mind about my dad and grandma. <laughs> I like fries so yeah big time himbo energy from paul munsky ellie is like oh my fucking god as she reads this letter and paul says that he's in love with aster they've never spoken but he knows that he's in love because he thinks about her when he wakes up when he's doing his sprints when he's praying or when he's eating his mom's bratwurst Sweet Polish man. So it must be love. <laughs> and uh Ellie's like, yeah, I don't think you're in love. I think you're just stubborn. And she starts to workshop the letter, and Paul is like, Oh, I get it. You've never been in love before. And she's like, you know what? Fine. You want love? I'll give you love. I'm gonna write the best damn love letter that you've ever and seen in like, stormed I, I want a letter
0: that'll make her fall in love with me not storming
1: off like you are right now. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, like, at first didn't really know mm-hmm. what to expect from Paul. So I was kind of, like, apprehensive on him at first. But then he's like, oh, yeah, you're just a golden like, retriever. Like, I don't think he's
0: interested in deceiving her. He's yeah. literally like, I am bad with words. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: yeah, Ellie goes home that night, classic, sitting in the living room, watching a movie with her father. They are watching Wings of Desire in French. And she's trying to write this love letter when she hears them say, longing for a wave of love that would swell up in me. And she immediately writes it down. And I think this is when her dad is like, this is like the best part. Yeah. Um. So in school, the next day, Ellie gives Paul the letter, it's already sealed, and tells him to mow her. And we see this like epitaph on the screen, it says, in love, one always starts by deceiving oneself and ends up deceiving others. This is what the world calls a romance. Oscar Wilde.
1: The next day, Paul is chasing after Ellie as she is riding her bike home to tell her that Aster wrote back. So she what? hits the brakes, goes to read the letter, and all Aster has written is I like Vim vendors too. I wouldn't have plagiarized him though. And Paul is like, Why like who is this guy? Why did you cheat off of him? And she's like, I did it. Well, like I did a little bit. And he's like, I paid you. Like, like I, I even know looked up the means. word plagiarized. Don't try to pull <laughs> a fast one on me. And she's like, No, 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 this is good. It's like a game. And she's challenging us. Like, (laughs) we're still in the game. And he's like, okay, cool. So they fist bump and Ellie rides off and she's like, okay, game on, Aster Mm. Flores. So, my gosh, a little little banter, a little back and forth. So we get
0: a montage. Ellie conducts the train. She drinks the occult with her father. She tells Aster that sometimes she hides behind other people's words. For one thing, those people are published. For another, I know nothing about love. When she finishes the letter, Ellie shares it with Paul in the chapel, and he reads it over, and he's like, it's such a downer. And she's like, what? It's not a downer. And Paul's like, ask her to like hang out with me. Some guy comes into the chapel, and they like immediately pretend like they're not talking to each other. This kid is like, you want to go to Joey's to hang out? And Paul's like, yeah. So the next time we see Paul, he's running in practice, totally out of breath. And he's taking the trash out after work as Ellie writes about him in this letter to Astor. We see Ellie playing guitar and she writes, if I knew what love was, I'd quote myself.
1: This letter gets delivered to Astor and the next day, Ellie is mm-hmm. playing piano in the chapel when Paul, like, calls her over to the confessional booth so that they can talk, and he passes her Aster's response. So Aster writes back, Dear Paul, did you know that it takes 11 muscles to yawn? This is a sort of weird fact I find myself recalling to keep myself from, well, yawning or showing anything that I feel, really. So, yeah, I turn to other people's words, too. And we kind of get, like, a little snapshot into Aster's life. We see her with her family and her boyfriend, Trig, at her house. He's, like, taking a selfie of them. And she talks about how when you're a pretty girl, people want to give you things. But the reason that they do is because they want you to like them. But not like them, like them. Like them as, the, as in, like, I am like you. Yeah. Like, people want to be seen as like her because she's pretty. And um, we see this kind of little interlude where, the, like, the mean popular girls give her, like, this pink knitted scarf that they're all wearing and make her wear it so she's, like, a part of their group. Kind of so they can, like, up their social standing by, like, having her in their group type of thing. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, so I'm like a lot of people, which makes me kind of like no one. Yeah. So
0: Paul is like, okay, I think I just need to text her. And Ellie is like, not yet. And he sends her another $50. So Ellie continues to write. She says she's never thought about the oppression of fitting in before. Aster responds and says that pretty much everyone thinks they're different, but they're all just different in the same way. And Ellie is like, oh, that's coming from the girl perched on the peak of verified popularity then Traig drives by in the class that asterson and he's like hey taco time babe and Esther like gets up it's the end of class um but she drops the letter mm. mhm and she writes back careful mister i know nothing about love i might surprise you what's going to happen with that letter
1: only time will tell in like literally the scene after this one so yeah <laughs> In the bathroom, Ellie is washing her hands when we see in the mirror once again that Aster is waiting for a stall to open up. So the girls kind of, like, smile at each other back and forth, like a brief moment. Meanwhile, the girls in the stalls are – first they're, like, having some inane conversation about, like, Gap Body, where it's like, oh, my God, I love Gap Body. (laughs) And then um, they start talking about Trig and how, like, His family is super Mm -hmm. rich and they own half the town or like the whole town. And Aster is super lucky that she's dating him because her family doesn't even own their own house.
0: Yeah. These are catty people. They're petty.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Aster is also one of the other few people of color at this school.
0: Yeah. I was wondering that too because Mm. all of the like popular girls are blonde and white
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Astra Flores. And we also see her father speaking Spanish to her at one point. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting. I think the fact that she is in a relationship with Trig, I'm like, how did that kind of evolve? Because he doesn't really seem like a mean guy, but he's definitely super unaware, not really considerate of other people. Yeah. So that's like something really curious to me. I'm like, why isn't he just with another Random blonde—is it just because she's pretty, or like, yeah? I'm so I'm super curious about some mm. more of the differences that Aster has experienced.
1: Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that because I, I, I'd like assumed that they were together because like Trig kind of represents that like small town like American dream thing of like oh like you marry mm-hmm. the guy and like you you settle down and like he works for his dad's business and like you raise a family together and that whole thing. So like that kind of traditional value is kind of, like, what she was grasping for. But I never really thought about, like, why he would be interested in her over um, someone else. Because we just don't really get to see anything about their relationship. And honestly, I kept forgetting the whole time that she had a boyfriend. I did, too. I mean, she technically cheats on her boyfriend in the movie. Absolutely, (laughs) she does. Yeah. And it's not really addressed. I know there's a deleted scene because when I was taking notes, I had the the shooting draft open and there's like a couple of deleted scenes that um kind of talk about like the morality of various situations that got cut. Like in the next scene we're about to talk about, there's a little snippet of a conversation before, but there's a, there's a cut scene where Aster goes to confessional and is like, I have been having feelings for somebody that's not my boyfriend like this is wrong of me type of thing where she kind of like confronts the fact that she is having an affair but they cut that mm. so it's also I'll, I'll hold i'll wait
0: to say this later but yeah so it's like a super awkward moment and astor leaves the restroom and then in the hall like we see ellie walking down the hallway she's pulled inside of a classroom (laughs) who is it oh it's mrs g she found the letter from paul Mm. obviously she recognizes ellie's writing style and she's like oh so this is why half my class is failing their essays and ellie's like don't worry i'll be back open for business soon enough
1: yes this is where they cut the first half of this conversation where mrs g is like this is wrong like you're toying with a girl's feelings like she's gonna get hurt yeah. But they just cut that, and so Miss G's like, oh, now I have to read these crappy essays from my students instead of, like, actually caring about what is ethically right or wrong about this thing.
0: I guess I could see that being cut just so, like, as to not criminalize Ellie. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I do definitely get, like, the cheating aspect and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of the the like her writing the letters for paul Mm -hmm. astor cheating on trig are left purposefully vague so that we can kind of make up our own minds about the morality
1: that's true yeah because
0: i do think both women are in kind of like shitty situations
1: yeah that's very true yeah
0: and astor definitely feels obligated to keep dating this person because
1: it's like the set out path for sure yeah that makes sense So, we then see Aster working her job as a server, and in her voiceover, she is writing a letter back to Paul about how um, she once had an art teacher who said that the difference between a good painting and a great one is five bold strokes. But the question is, which five strokes? And as she's, like, composing this letter, we see her staring at this painting in the restaurant. And we then cut to Ellie, who is sitting in the, um, the booth at the train station, and she's looking at a picture of this painting on her phone. And she writes back that she understands, you know, after making a pretty good painting, the last thing you want to do is make a bold stroke and potentially ruin it. And Aster says that that's actually why she gave up painting and like compares this whole analogy to her life. Like, is she living a pretty good life when she could live a great one by like doing something bold? Hmm. I think the the answer is in the question. Ooh, Aster. So true. <laughs>
0: so the next letter Ellie sends to Aster, she asks how well she really knows Squamish and sends her like a latitude and longitude to a blank wall on the side of a building where ellie has written any five strokes and there's some spray paint mm-hmm. so Aster picks up the spray paint can and does one stroke and i think she writes like gear move so the girls go back and forth making strokes until Aster makes bold strokes and she eventually brings her whole like paint set over to the wall and um makes this like beautiful, like a woman who it's kind of like a goddessy type figure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's kind of abstract and it's really beautiful. It's super bold. Oh yeah. The woman is reaching for a star. Ellie comes back and sees the full painting and doesn't like change anything because it's complete the way it is. Like it's super beautiful. And Ellie leaves, Aster comes back And sees that it's unchanged. And um, the owner of the building actually sees her and is like, hey, hey. And (laughs) Astor just runs off. And the next time they see the uh, wall, it's painted over. And Astor writes, or not. And Ellie writes, everything beautiful gets ruined eventually.
1: I loved this sequence. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, I really liked it. Such a cool device. And um, yeah, it was, it was really cool just getting to see like the words in their letters like come to life and turn to action.
0: Yeah, it was almost like they went on a date mm-hmm. without being face to face. Yeah. You can't think that Paul did that. There's just no way. No,
1: especially the handwriting. That's what I Ellie's- was thinking. Ellie's hand, it's so like cursive and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I'm sorry, but I have yet to see a man with handwriting like that. And
0: so in some of their next letters, Ellie writes, maybe that's the thing. If you do ruin your painting, you got to know you have everything in you to get to that pretty good painting again. But if you never do the bold stroke, you'll never know if you could have had a great painting. And that inspires Aster to begin sketching in her notebook again.
1: So Paul, at this point, is starting to get a little bit antsy. He, like, wants to actually go on a date with Aster. And he's like, I'm just going to text her. So he impulsively texts her, like, a bunch of emojis. I don't know why he did that. (laughs) Asking her to get, you know, dinner at the diner. Ellie is like, why would you do that? Aster does not respond. So Ellie grabs his phone and is like, sorry, like, little sis hacked my phone. Classic excuse. Classic. <laughs> and she's like, oh, can we take this to like a safer place? Text me on ghost messenger, Um, which I don't think that's a real thing. Maybe I'm just old and haven't heard of it, but I don't think that's a real thing.
0: I haven't heard of it, yeah. but I also hadn't heard of Be Real until like a month ago.
1: Yeah, I only just heard about that the other day. Um, clearly got my <laughs> finger on the pulse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Aster then messages Paul, a.k.a. Ellie, on Ghost Messenger mm-hmm. and says, dinner tomorrow night at 7. And they're like, yes, like we did it before Ellie realizes that Paul is the one going on this date. Not her.
0: I did find it weird that she created the ghost messenger and like instead of her just doing it when she and Paul are together, she's now like messaging Aster and he has no idea like what they're saying, what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So Ellie in a hurry tries to prep Paul for the date, Um, but he's like, hey, it's a date, not a book report. He shows up immediately. Aster shows him this copy of *Remains of the Day*. It's a signed copy. She's like, "I went to Powell's bookstore when he came last year. I got two signed copies. Like I drove all night to get there." And Paul's like, "Cool." Cool. And she's like, "Oh, you you probably already read it, but like I thought you might like a copy." This is, like, a prized possession yeah. <laughs> of hers. And all he can say is, like, I love Nazis. Not Nazis, but the ones in the, this book. More of those Nazis, please.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, because Ellie's, like, when she was prepping him, she was like, oh, yeah, if she brings up Remains of the Day to say that, like, the author should have taken advantage of, like, using the Nazis more in, like, this part of the narrative or something like that. And his brain translated that to, I love Nazis. Paul, man, hold it together. Connect
0: the dots, my guy. (laughs) I'm really watching you struggle, flounder. You're floundering. If you're Uh. not swimming, you're drowning. (laughs) So Ellie is listening in sheer horror. Mm -hmm. And Aster's like, well, thank you for meeting me here because my dad is pretty strict. And, you know, people talk. Paul does not know what the fuck to say. He like slurps his milkshake. He's like literally mm. pounding the milkshake because he's like, I, uh, <laughs> smooth brain, no thoughts, smooth brain, no thoughts. So she tells him it's nice to make a new friend.
1: And he's like
0: crushed. The kid is crushed.
1: Uh. And he,
0: all he can think of in response is that they use ready whip for the milkshakes. It's, From a can, but it's okay.
1: (laughs) Paul, man. Like, you've spoken to a person before. We were rooting for you.
0: (laughs) We were all rooting for you.
1: Yeah, clearly not a super successful date. Mm -mm. The next day, Paul catches up with Ellie as she's riding to school. And he's like, you know, like, the date wasn't that bad. And she's like, not that bad. Like, you don't have anything in common. Like, you just got to give it up. But Paul is like, no, I'm not. I don't want to give up. And as they are riding slash running down the street, Mm -hmm. those fucking assholes in their car drive by and, like, heckle Ellie once again. But Paul, like, drops his bag and runs over and is like, hey, who are you calling Choo Choo? Like, what the fuck starts, you know, giving them a piece of his mind and they just drive yeah. off, and he's like, oh, who, like, yells that at somebody and then just drives away? your bunch of wusses, and he, like, throws a rock at them. And Ellie is just, like, shocked that he would stand up for her, but he did, and she just stares at him, and he's like, what? Because he's like, that's what friends do. Despite the fact that he's not the brightest, he is very kind. Very heartfelt. And he does have, you know, empathy, so... Rare. Yeah. I was like, wow, good job, Paul. So Ellie and Paul
0: talk about Aster in the train station. It's clear that, like, she's deciding to give him a second chance at this project Mm -hmm. because he's a really nice guy. And, like, you know, Ellie relates to him. So they go into work mode. And Ellie tells him that Oster thinks he's into abstract art and repressed British literature, but none of that is him. And Paul's like, it could be. He actually tells her that he started reading Remains of the Day. And Ellie's like, really? And he's like, yeah. Don't I get like some points? And he's like, there are no points for effort. (laughs) Paul (laughs) asks, isn't that love? The effort you put into loving someone. Ellie says, "Whatever love is, they just blew it with Aster." Then mm. we hear a ding on the ghost messenger app. It's Aster, and she says, "So that was dot 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 weird." And Paul's like, "Okay, you have to keep helping me. Like, I'll pay you double." And she's like, "You don't have to pay me." And he's like, "Don't be weird, dude. Like, I have savings." Meanwhile, else would you do Ellie, this? And she's yeah, like, Ellie's what? like. Listen, I got to keep talking to her. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty crazy that she has so much in common with Aster mm-hmm. because they hadn't really talked, but maybe she just knew that she was like a bookworm like her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, they seem so compatible and they have a yes. similar quiet, like, sincerity about them.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. There is that in that choir scene when – um we kind of see the snapshots of all the different kids interacting, and Trig is talking about whatever, and somebody, like, whispers to Aster, and she doesn't even look up her, from her book, and somebody's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, she always has her nose in a book. And I was like, there we go. That's our little drop hint that her and mm-hmm. Ellie are very much aligned. They're very much, like, not participating in the kind of high school ecosystem, at least not actively, whereas, like, Aster does have a role, but she's not, like um, – actively trying to have one whereas like ellie is actively trying not to be a part of the system yeah because it's it's pretty clear that ellie does not have any friends at all
0: she is busy hanging out with her dad watching movies and doing homework
1: yeah so we then get this little training montage where ellie is like okay i have scheduled your next date with aster from three weeks from now I told I her that you definitely like,
0: wrote that in my notes Is three months.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, the entire school year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, you're done. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's, it's three weeks. She told Aster that he's like slammed with football training so that they have time to, you know, really get him in fighting shape for this date. So Ellie's dad then comes out of the house to see like Ellie and Paul at the little booth. And he's like, oh, who is this? And Ellie says, Paul is here. They're working on a school project together. So basically, Ellie's approach is instead of going for broad understanding of all of Aster's hobbies, they're just going to focus in on, like, key things so he can have a deep understanding of them. So they decide to focus on No Exit, the play, uh, Catherine Hepburn films, and also how to have a conversation. (laughs) Which I think is important for our man Paul. Yes. They also do a little bit of, like, recon on Aster. They watch her go to, like, a horror movie marathon at the movie theater. They spy on her in the convenience store. She uses Arm and Hammer. Um, they see that, like, she eats all types of meat and she, like, doesn't like raisins and all kinds of stuff. They also have this little moment where they pretend to, like, interview Trigg for, like, the school newspaper oh my to find gosh. out more about her. <laughs> so they continue to spy on
0: Aster and actually see her while her family's having dinner, while they're spying on Aster's family dinner. Paul asks Ellie why her family settled in Squamish, since they don't seem very happy. And Ellie gets super upset. She, like, picks a fight, and she's like, okay, well, if you're not taking this seriously, like, I can't help you. And before she goes, Paul stops her, and he's like, it's just, like, in no exit how – They, like, want to leave, but they can't. Like, I want to run my own sausage shop with my own recipes, but my family has been doing the same stuff for almost 50 years, and it's Nana's recipe. And if my mom can't have her Nana, at least she can keep making her sausages. So if he leaves, he'll break her heart. And so he stays. Yeah, he's so sweet. And Ellie decides to tell him, her story um very briefly she says that they came here so her dad could get a job he actually has a phd in engineering but since english isn't his first language and his degree is from china like they can't seem to you know get past him being a station manager because initially he was going to be like station manager and then Mm -hmm. somehow get promoted to something else yeah and paul mentions um that her dad has a hard time speaking English and Ellie's like offended and he's like, I have a hard time speaking too. And she's like, oh yeah, what's your excuse? So
1: they kind of like have a, a sweet moment together. Yeah. I was also thinking about this, like, cause Ellie's character, she's quite like, she's very closed off and she is mm-hmm. kind of like brash and stuff. And I, I think that part of that is probably, like, trying to combat, like, the the stereotype of Asian women being very, like, submissive and, like, uh I don't know, just, like, forced into that kind of role. And I think that uh her kind of, like, hard edge is pushing against that a little bit because we kind of see the push and pull between her home life and her school life where at home she's very much, like, the dutiful daughter who, like, really takes care of the house because her dad, it's, like, pretty implied that he's his mental health is, yeah, like – I think he's depressed. Suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, like, um, kind of buried under so much grief having, like, lost his wife. So Ellie is really, like, forced to kind of take on that caretaker role in the family, but then also at school wants to be, um, like, taken seriously as a student and as a person. And so that kind of, like, push and pull always exists mm-hmm. for her.
0: I also think that she um, has her guard up just, like, 100% of the time because people aren't friendly towards her. And she has, like, uh, Mm -hmm. just developed an armor to, like, protect herself. And so instead of becoming vulnerable or being open with people, she stays shut off so they can't use that Mm -hmm. to, like, you know, hurt her.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why it's so hard for her to kind of, like, I, like accept Paul's like kindness and his like mm-hmm. genuine interest in like her life um, because probably like that's been used against her in the past. So it's it's really nice to kind of see how they help each other in this relationship with her kind of like helping him articulate his thoughts and feelings and him helping her to like um, actually open up and feel them. yeah. They're both learning. Oh, my gosh. And if this movie was made in, like, 1998, they would fall in love, and that would be the movie. Boo. Yeah. But this is so much better. I think this is actually – isn't this based off a book?
0: There's a book called Half of It? Is it? Let's check that out for a sec. Okay. Well, it was written and directed by Alice Wu. But why did I think that there was a book?
1: It does seem like it would be a novel, though.
0: Why did I think there was, like, a book tied to this movie? Don't worry about it. (laughs) This will be cut out.
1: (laughs) So after they have this little convo, Paul then invites Ellie to dinner at his house since they haven't eaten yet. But they do end up going to Paul's house. And it is, like, absolute chaos. Everybody is, like, Mm -hmm. screaming at each other and grabbing for food. And he's like, um... Maybe let's go to your place instead. So Mm -hmm. they go to the Chu residence and they kind of all sit in silence in front of the TV. Ellie and her dad look kind of uncomfortable. Paul, having a grand old time. A blast and a half. (laughs) He's like, I don't
0: have to talk. I got to watch TV. (laughs) Amazing. (sighs) So they resume their conversation lessons. They play ping pong. And Ellie tries to teach him how to speak to another person. Mm -hmm. Paul asks her about coming to Squamish and where she was born in China. And yeah, Ellie tells him that she came here when she was five Mm -hmm. and just gives him some more like information about her. The next scene is at church. Father Shanley delivers a sermon and Ellie, as Paul and Astor text back and forth Aster's like, do you think Father Shanley knows where he is? (laughs) And Ellie's like, Father Shanley knows all. Mm -hmm. Aster finds this this hilarious and, like, looks back at Paul. Paul is just smiling (laughs) like an idiot. (laughs) And Ellie watches this from the Mm -hmm. organ.
1: So then literally while Father Shanley is in the confessional booth. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Ellie and Paul sit on either side and are using it to talk to each other back and forth. He wants Ellie to like send Aster some emojis. And she's like, no, I'm not sending emojis. Like, I don't know what they mean. And he's like, "Ooh, send like send the owl or send like the caterpillar with the glasses or something. And she's like, "Or or the pineapple. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. So we then have some more conversation lessons between Paul and Ellie as they are playing ping pong. And they start talking about food. Um, Paul asks Ellie what her favorite food is, and I think she says it's braised pork with rice. And mm-hmm. he asks her about like the five spice powder in her cabinets. He was snooping because he's always looking for, like, new spices for Man his various – Man just wants to make his sausage. He just wants to make sausages. And I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but there's, like, a running theme throughout the movie of Paul's, like, taco sausage recipe that he has made, which is which is literally, like, a taco – in or it's, like, a sausage inside a taco shell. For context, I do think that – like they make their own sausages,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So there's like yeah. he's not just putting a random yes. sausage <laughs> in the taco.
1: Yeah. He's like I assume there are various yeah. spices and stuff in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um and he talks about how he's been trying to get this like paper in Wanetki. Is that how it would be pronounced? when wanat Wanatki?
0: Wanachi? That doesn't sound right though.
1: It's it's one of the like nearby nearby towns, I assume. Yeah. Um, But he's trying to get the food editor there to try his taco sausage, but has never heard back. And she asks what his family thinks about his recipe, and he says that none of them have tried it either. And, like, clearly, that's a bummer for him. Like, I can imagine that would be very upsetting. He's like, guys, I created this new recipe. And they're like, shut up, Paul. Because they're all just yelling at each other. He does have a big – I'm assuming that Paul is Polish – I
0: think he has like a big Polish. I think like German or Polish,
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm really like pulling from the fact that Phil is Polish Mm. and he also has a huge family. Yeah. Very similar to like uh, Mm. them, like in the scene where they're all having dinner and he's like, why don't we
1: go to my house? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Ellie sees that he's like, you know, kind of sad about the fact that nobody wants to try his sausage. And yeah. she tries to cheer him up. And she's like, you know, I think that taco sausage has a nice ring to it.
0: Yeah. Cause she's been a jerk about the taco sausage. Yeah. She's like, nobody wants to try your fucking yeah. taco sausage. <laughs> What's your favorite food? <laughs> yeah, I know. The taco sausage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on and on. Always the tacos. <laughs> so. Paul then asks um, Ellie what her mom was like. And initially, she's just like young, funny, dead. And he's like, what about when she was alive? And she does like soften a little bit. She says, young, funny, fun. And Paul says that she sounds cool. And you can see that Ellie is kind of like a little bit, maybe not embarrassed, but just kind of like uncomfortable with the more Mm -hmm. vulnerable tone shift here. So, Paul actually does pick up on that because despite the fact that he's not super articulate – articulate, I can't even say the word. He's not super articulate. <laughs> he is, I think, quite emotionally intelligent. He can, you know, yeah, understand He's an observer. Feelings. Yeah, exactly. And he's quite empathetic. So, he does break the ice. And he's like, well, I think that she would have tried the taco sausage and – they have a little laugh. Oh, Ah, you cutie. You're killing me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like Paul is what I wanted to get from, uh, oh, what's his name? Mr. Whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey. Oh, Peter Kavinsky. Yes. But mm. I mean, Peter Kavinsky is super popular, but yeah. I'm I'm a big Paul Munsky fan. More than Peter Kavinsky. We get a clip of Paul running alongside Allie as she rides her bike to school. Paul's actually keeping up. Yeah. He's uh, really working on his cardio. Mm-hmm. In the gym, working on my fitness. <laughs> okay. So that night, Aster texts Allie, and she's like, why are you always up so late?
1: Oh, yeah. She's like, world's asleep. More time for thoughts or, like, more space for thoughts or something Jesus. like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> and Aster's like, it's the hour of secrets. And asks. What her, or Paul's secrets are.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the next day, Ellie asks Paul what he likes about Aster. And he gives a really heartfelt answer, but it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. He says that she's pretty and smart and smells like fresh ground flour. And he's like, what am I supposed to like? And Ellie's like, I don't know how she... Bursts out laughing like she can't help it. How she twirls her hair when she thinks like –
1: Her thoughts are like an ocean you can get lost in, stuff like that. Very
0: romantic details. And Paul's like, I'm an idiot. Like, I'm so stupid. And Ellie is like worried. She's like, no, no, no. I would never. And Paul's like, that's what you say. When you love someone, and she's like, No, I don't, it's not what mm. you think. And he's like, and you don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, What? <laughs> so Elliot realizes he doesn't think she's into Aster, just that she's mm. like poetic and romantic, yeah. I guess, and tells him he tries harder than anyone she's ever met, with maybe the exception of her father with her mother. And what's love, if not the effort you put in? It's so sweet. It's a really beautiful friendship.
1: <sighs> yeah. So then, oh my God, Ellie and her father decide to try the taco sausage. <laughs> and they both really like it. It's so cute. It's a good snack. <laughs> and Paul has like the cutest little smile on his face um we also see them drink yakult together which is like a yogurt probiotic drink and um ellie is like i can't believe you even know what this is um which also made me think it's all the boys because there's also a moment Mm -hmm. between lara jean and peter with the yakult but he's like oh yeah no we have them at this at the uh stadium because keeps the coach regular so we keep them (laughs) in the vending machine and she's like what that's crazy because like the closest asian grocery store is three hours by bike ride or something crazy like that so again a surprise tool you'll need to keep in mind for later Mm -hmm. as they're watching the movie with ellie's father in the movie we see like this guy is running after the girl while she's on the train and ellie is like oh my god that's so stupid like He looks like an idiot. She's probably like, oh, thank God I'm not wasting any more of my time with that guy. Because why would anyone run after a train? And Paula's like, I don't know. She looks kind of sad. Yeah. And again, a surprise tool to keep in mind for later. So Ellie then texts Aster. And she says that she has no secrets. She's just a good guy or he, like, Paul is just a good guy, (laughs) and that Aster should be with a good guy. Mm. Mm. We then see her playing her guitar and, like, working on an original song, and Paul, meanwhile, is taking out the trash across the street, and he watches through the window, and... Some feelings are starting to arise in young Mr. Munsky. My
0: man Paul is like, oh, she's got a voice on her. Mic check one, two, I'm going in.
1: Uh, uh." (laughs) It's truly the the Little Mermaid effect. (laughs) The Little Mermaid effect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once upon a time, a trio of bards, the narrator's three... We're called upon to unite the realms with an episode by episode deep dive commentary on the fairy tale laden soap opera Once Upon a Time. Tune in for weekly retrospect sprinkled with judgmental fondness and hysterical disappointment as the narrators three laugh, throw shade, and have the occasional emotional breakdown. If you find tales of costuming, character takedowns, and plot devices that come with a price utterly
0: charming, The Narrators 3 invite you to join them for Once Upon a Rewatch, available on all major platforms where podcasts can be found. Finally, it is time for Paul's big date with Aster. We've been training three weeks. Mm. Ellie gives him a couple last-minute pointers, and he thanks her for sticking it out with him, even though he's probably going to crash and burn. And Ellie's like, you're not going to crash and burn. Um, and he gets in, inside and she's like, you're definitely going to crash and burn. Oh. <laughs> so in the diner, it's a bit awkward. Paul immediately brings up the immigration bill. Like unprompted. Yeah. And Aster's like, oh, go ahead. Like, what were you going to say? No thoughts. Doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Ellie is listening in through Paul's phone. Um, and Astor's like, listen, you know, we don't need to talk about serious things. And, you know, is it cool if we're still friends? And he's like, totally. And it's even more awkward. So Ellie decides to take matters into her own hands and begins messaging Esther as Paul again through ghost messenger. She says, I get nervous when you're close. Aster looks up at Paul and smiles and texts back asking why. And... Paul texts Ellie and he's like, what are you writing? And Ellie's like, look at your phone. So Aster says, like, I'm just a girl. But Ellie says, you know, you're not. And Aster giggles. Paul is like, what are you saying? And she's like, look at your phone. (laughs) Yeah, just smile and wave, boys. <laughs> Paul is just himboing it up He's looking mm. cute And Aster says Then what are you? And I think Ellie's like I'm not a girl yeah. I'm not just a girl either mm-hmm. And then Aster's like You're strange But cute And then Ellie says <laughs> You have classic bone structure <laughs> Bro what? Smooth <laughs> Oh, my Lord.
1: That reminds me of, like, one time a guy, like, touched my arm. He was like, your skin is like porcelain. And I was, like, crawling out of my skin. It was so uncomfortable. You're like, I've actually got a blast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Bye. The
0: response to this is a ellipses. thanks. <laughs> so, not great. Mm. And Ellie starts typing again. She's trying to think of a good response to kind of bring back the mood literally just say i think you're beautiful yeah literally just say i think you're beautiful (laughs) simple keep the kiss method you know Mm -hmm. but paul stands up and just bursts out i don't want to be just friends i think you're pretty and funny and smart and your laugh is like an ocean of thoughts or five oceans of thoughts or five voices or," and says that he likes her Aster is confused at first, but smiles. Paul sits back down and Ellie decides to just slip out of the car. Like, you know, yeah. he's got it.
1: So, the next thing we know, we are at what kind of looks like a little thrift store and yeah, like
0: a Goodwill or something. Mm-hmm.
1: Paul is, quote unquote, helping Ellie buy an outfit for the senior recital. Mm-hmm she's like super nervous but he tells her that she's gonna crush it and he also tells her that the food guy from like some paper heard about his taco sausage and wants to try it what and she's like wow that's great congratulations and then she's like so uh what did you and uh astor talk about on your date how to go jw yeah and he's like, Oh, yeah, we got fries and milkshakes and we held hands and it was nice. It was quiet and nice. And then they kissed. Whoa. And Ellie's like, Oh, um, how did that happen? Like, did you ask her? And he's like, No, I didn't ask her. And she's like, Well, then how do you know that she wanted to be kissed? And he's like, I don't know. Like, she gave me a look, you know, when a girl gives you the look. And Ellie doesn't know, and Paul tries to demonstrate the look. And um, Ellie's just kind of like, okay. And Paul tells her <laughs> that they're going on a real date when she gets back from her youth group in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Might I remind you? Because I forgot at this point, but she does still have a boyfriend.
0: That is true.
1: While this convo is going on, Ellie picks out a an outfit i guess which is literally a hoodie and a skirt Mm -hmm. that she put on like over her jeans yep paul's like no this is not right like this doesn't feel like you you go to the dressing room and i'll pull some stuff for you like i have a sister i'm like paul you sweetie getting her a
0: nice little fit yeah i think he says like this doesn't look like you let me pick some things out for you I'm like, yes, so nice, Paul. (laughs) You're just a nice man. (sighs) We cut to the recital. Ellie is sitting backstage, pretty nervous. Trig is the (laughs) act before her. He is dressed in a full jean. He
1: has mm-hmm. some sort of like eighties thing going on. Yeah. He has the mic, like the face mic. I did read in the script that it was supposed to be pour some sugar on me, but I think they couldn't get the right. So it's like uh, it's like a Berlin song or something that they sing okay. instead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the band is just like get getting the crowd on their feet. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a real experience. Mm-hmm. I see you wrote, what in the 80s is this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I did write this. That.
0: that sums it up. Also, everyone's like waving these glow sticks. I'm like, where'd you yeah. even get that? <laughs> but it's it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, the stagehand goes backstage and tells Ellie that she has three minutes. If she needs to pee, go now. And some assholes actually go to where the piano is and fuck with it yeah what the fuck like why it's pretty crazy because she's never even talked to these people it's the same people who are doing like chugga chugga choo choo -choo thing every morning so after trey gets off the stage it's ellie's turn she rolls the piano on stage for her performance and those jerks harass her from the audience saying just the same joke um Mm. you know they can't even think of another thing to say. No. But she sits down, begins to play her song, but some strings are broken in the piano, which is actually, like, mad expensive. Like, if yeah. this happened, if someone ruined a piano at my middle school or, like, high school, mm-hmm. they would be in trouble.
1: Oh, absolutely. Suspension
0: minimum. Oh, damn. Yeah. Some kids start laughing. Um, Alex Baggett yells out
1: next. Who is that? <laughs> That's a guy we went to school with. <laughs> oh my god. Is he one yeah. of the Chugga Chugga Choo-Choo guys? No, he's in the band. He's like the blonde-haired guy. But I was like, wait, is that Alex? It is. So hey Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, congrats. Great movie. Yeah.
0: He yells out next. And then <laughs> Paul notices a student has an acoustic guitar. So we hear like a shh sound and Paul's like, Ellie, play your song.
1: <laughs> I'm like, he believes in you. The bar is so low. Truly. Really?
0: <laughs> um, so she picks up the guitar and she begins to play her song halfway. And it's just super heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Definitely listen. It's giving Phoebe Bridgers. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Pretty natural And really beautiful. After she finishes, the audience claps. They stand for her. And Trig goes over to Paul. And he's like, hey, you know, when did Ellie
1: Chu get kind of hot? And Paul's like, (laughs) ding, light bulb moment for me. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Paul. So after the show, Ellie is sitting in the booth at the station. And she's kind of like smiling to herself Feeling good about you know the performance and everything, when Paul drives by with a bunch of his friends, and they're like Ellie, like get in, we're going to the after party for like the senior recital. So she is like a little bit shocked, but she does go. And as soon as they walk into the party, some random person is like, "Hey, the Chinese girl came." I'm like, and everyone's like, "The Chinese girl." I'm like, in, in bro. what world is that the thing to say? None. That's, like, crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that happening in a rural place. I'm like, would that happen at my high school? Possibly. Wow. Well, yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Mm. Just contemplating how racist to my
1: hometown is. Just girly things, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after this little comment, some other person goes up to Ellie and is like, oh, like, we've had math together for the past four years, and I just wanted to, like, I always wanted to tell you that I really like your nails. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I can't get the bike grease out." And she's like, "Yeah, it's badass. Like, come play Drinkers of Catan with us." I love high school. <laughs> <laughs> Although, as somebody who does enjoy Sellers of Catan, I am intrigued by Drinkers of Catan.
0: Yeah, what's the pr- yeah? Uh,
1: I bet we can find
0: something online. I think she
1: like as they're walking away, something like, "Oh, for every like wheat you trade, like a shot of whatever, or something like that." Um, so I'm like. Whoa. Let me print out the rules to that next time I'm playing. (laughs) So Ellie actually, like, ends up playing the game and, like, she's socializing and stuff. Paul comes over to her and, like, she's about to take a shot and he kind of, like, takes it away from her because she is clearly not an experienced drinker. Yeah. And she just looks at him and, like, in a very monotone voice is like, I want you to know that I know that I have been drinking spirits because I've had to pee far more than would be indicated by regular punch and I am monitoring the situation. And he's like, "Okay, how many cups have you been monitoring?" And she does not have an answer. So he's yeah. like, "Okay.
0: <laughs> we have get here. you home."
1: So he starts helping her up and she immediately pukes. So, that that'll do it. Yeah. So Paul
0: actually brings Ellie to his house and tucks her in and picks up her jacket just to, like, put it on the chair or whatever and notices all these letters fall out that she wrote to different papers about the taco sausage. (gasps) We're talking letters, man.
1: It's so sweet.
0: Paul, the sweet boy, he's, like, his heart is beating faster,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? It's just friendship, my guy.
0: It's just a good friend thing Yeah That morning Ellie wakes up To some Advil Left on the bedside table For her by Paul But Who does she hear Coming down the stairs (gasps) It's Aster
1: Oh my god Bro
0: So she quickly Scrambles out of bed Gets her bag Puts on her coat Like So it doesn't look like She slept over (laughs) And of course Like Aster's with Paul's mom So Yeah That's yeah A whole other thing And she's like, hi, I was just dropping off some books. And his mom's like, oh, I didn't hear you. You're you're Paul's Chinese friend. I didn't hear you come in. (laughs) Sure. Like, bro. So his mom goes back upstairs and Aster's like, oh, so you and Paul and Ali's like, no, 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 no. He's 100% into you. He wanted to do some extra reading for you. So I lent him some books. And she's like, oh, that's really sweet. Um, On our first date, I thought I like almost drove him off for talking about books.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. And she says something like, I can be such an idiot. And Ellie's like, you could never be an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Paul. You could never be an idiot. or beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Paul thinks you could never be an idiot. That's who thinks that. Not me. Yeah. Actually, if you want to check your ghost (laughs) messages,
0: I think he actually said that (laughs) recently. I think um, he actually said you have classic bone
1: structure the other day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Aye, aye, aye.
1: <laughs> Ellie
0: assures Aster that Paul is very much into her and on her way out she sees the painting that Aster made for Paul on her trip to Sacramento and Ellie's like I like that stroke off to the side it's lonely but hopeful and then Aster asks Ellie if she can come with her to the station mm-hmm.
1: She's intrigued. Yes. So they go to the station. Aster is, like, very fascinated with Ellie's job and how it all works. And Ellie just goes and, like, sits in the booth and closes the door. Um, The booth is very much, like, her safe haven Mm -hmm. um, when she's feeling uncomfortable. And clearly she is in this moment. So Aster is then, like, hey, do you want to get out of here? And then they go for a drive. And as they're driving, there's, like, lots of, you know, stolen glances. There's some tension. And Aster tells Ellie that she's taking her to her favorite secret spot.
0: Ellie and Aster get to this, like, secluded hot spring. It looks like there's smoke coming up from it, so I'm assuming it's Mm -hmm. a –
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a hot spring.
0: Very cool geography. Mm Mm-hmm. Aster starts taking off her clothes so that she can get in with, like, her bra and underwear on. Ellie is shaken to her core. She immediately turns around while Aster gets in. And she's like, oh, uh, is this a whatever type of tree? And Aster's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> and Aster turns around while Ellie takes off her jacket, fully gets in with her T-shirt. And I think uh astor's like is that long underwear yeah and she's like yes <laughs> Aster's like i almost forgot there isn't any cell service and she brings out this like battery radio mm. it's turquoise it's actually really really cute yeah um it makes me want to like go to a random pond and like yeah have a radio
1: (laughs) just relax yeah meanwhile paul actually shows up at ellie's house with some fresh pork and spices for ellie's dad and inside we see him showing paul like how to season the meat with the five spice powder it's like a very cute little moment between these two Mm -hmm. but back at the hot springs um aster and Ellie are just you know talking in the water and Aster says that she's never hung out with a girl and not talked about boys before but it's nice and Ellie's like oh yeah so Paul's cool (laughs) (laughs) and Aster says that Paul is confusing because when she's with him she feels safe but when he writes he writes things that like Don't feel safe. Mm. And she talks about how her dad and Trig like are always talking about their future wedding, but he hasn't even asked her yet. And I'm like, what? Children, babies, your babies. But I don't know. She's like, I don't even know how he's so sure. Like he hasn't even asked me yet, but maybe that's love. Maybe I should marry him. I don't know. What do you think? And Ellie's like, (laughs) <laughs> what i don't know <laughs> and astor's like yeah god doesn't know either she asks ellie if she believes in god and ellie says no astor says that must be nice but ellie says not really it's actually kind of lonely
0: mm-hmm.
1: and astor talks about how she keeps asking god for a sign and then she got paul's letter and she's never felt so understood and she kind of tries to brush it off, and she's like, I don't know, maybe that's silly. But Ellie's like, no, I don't I don't think it's silly at all. Because clearly she feels the exact same way. Yeah. And Aster's like, well, you know what's silly? And starts, like, grabbing at Ellie's many layers of clothing. And I think that Ellie's like, I'm like a Russian doll of clothing yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this
0: is so flirtatious. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: We cut to a little bit later on. Both Aster and Ellie are just floating on their back. And Ellie says, gravity is matter's response to loneliness. And on the radio, If You Leave Me Now by Chicago is playing. And Ellie shares that her mom loved this song. And she always said that every song or movie or story has a best part. So they listen and try to find the best part. And it's like the swell of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And Aster's like, that's it. And she's like, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, this shot is really beautiful. Um, and I think it's the most poignant kind of use of the mirror imagery that is, like, set up by that initial opening sequence. Like, the the whole story about finding your other self because –
0: the two faces and the forearms. Yeah, because mm-hmm.
1: yeah, we see in that opening sequence um, – the person like looking in the water and seeing the reflection of their self, thinking that's their other half. And in this scene, as the girls are floating on the their backs, you can see their own reflections in the water, and it's like a really beautiful mirror image, not only like on its own, but a mirror image of that opening sequence. I thought it was like so stunning.
0: I also noticed that when they're floating on their backs, it looks like Aster's in a dress.
1: She is, yeah, because there's an aerial shot. Of the two of them floating, and Aster is as wearing a dress,
0: but she had taken her dress off when she initially went in.
1: Yeah, I think that they put it back on her so that they could have this aerial shot, and she wouldn't just be
0: naked. Okay. I was like wondering if that was like a plot point that I had missed. No, of her because no. they were. She was always making fun of her, mm-hmm.
1: unless it was like, oh, she put it on because Ellie wasn't going to take her stuff yeah, off.
0: That's what I was wondering. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So that night, Aster drops Ellie off. And before Ellie leaves, Aster tells Ellie that she hopes she finds something good to believe in. And when Ellie gets home, she finds her dad in front of the TV. And he tells her that Paul made braised pork sausage her favorite meal and says that it was very good. And her leftovers are in the microwave. Aww. Paul, a
0: man who cooks
1: <laughs> he is nice <laughs> he listens meanwhile across the street paul is taking out the garbage when Aster walks up to him and it's just like do you believe in god and he says of course and she goes yeah yeah of course and he tells her that he got her painting and it was pretty She thanks him, and then she just goes up and kisses him, and Ellie watches this happen and actually ends up accidentally knocking over her guitar, and in her guitar case, she finds the application for Grinnell and a picture of her mom. Mm -hmm. Outside, after the kiss, you can kind of see on, like, both Aster and Paul's faces where they're just kind of like, that wasn't quite... Yeah. It like it wasn't quite right. It's definitely a test. <laughs> yeah. Paul tells Aster that he has a lot of training this week for the big game and she's like, "Okay, yeah, I'll I'll see you after." So she leaves and then Paul looks at Ellie's window. Mm. I wonder why. I wonder why.
0: Cut to game day. Ellie tells Paul that Astor said good luck through Ghost Messenger, and Paul asks Ellie if she'll be at the game. Mm. I think she said something like, oh, yeah, I'd love to see some guys beating the shit out of each other or something. Yeah. So Paul waves to Astor in the stands, uh, like, at the beginning of the game. Actually, it's not the beginning because they're down by 49 <laughs> points. <Pretty> Four, <laughs> Seven touchdowns, okay? Paul sees Ellie come in and he waves to her and she waves, but she like starts pointing and she's like, turn around, like turn around. And he looks around. The guy with the ball just got tackled, kind of like passes slash the ball falls out of his arms and Paul manages to catch it. Whoa. And he just runs, runs, runs. He's running. He's been practicing. Okay. <laughs> And he just books it to the end zone and makes the touchdown. Apparently, <laughs> this is the first touchdown in fifteen
1: years. Oh my god! He's like a town hero. Mm-hmm. We do see later on, li- like literally, there's a banner, yeah, with his face on it, and it has like the six points that he scored, or whatever it is. I don't know football, but seven. seven. There we go. So <laughs> close. But, yeah, it's a very big deal. I think
0: that it is. But there's also an opportunity to do a kick. So I'm wondering if it's – yes, the touchdown is six points. Mm. And then if you get the kickoff or the, the thing where you kick it through the goalposts, right, right. you
1: can get a seventh point. Oh, my God. I actually was right. Yes. On accident. But doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: after the game, Ellie is downstairs in like not the locker room area but like in the practice area just bagging your cult from the <laughs> vending machine. And Paul comes up to her. He's like, oh, I wanted to talk to you. And she's like, uh, I kind of have my arms full. Can you help me out here? And he opens one and like pours it in her mouth. And he, she's like, mm, that's good. <laughs> so... He takes this opportunity to look at Ellie, and he leans in and kisses her, but Ellie backs away, and she's like, no, like, and Paul's like, you didn't want me to kiss you? And she's like, no, no, and he's like, is there someone else? That's when Ellie sees Aster in the reflection of the vending machine, Mm. and she just saw that whole thing happen. Ellie tries to tell her that, like, they're not together. And Paul finally realizes Ellie is into Aster. He is, like, astounded. Mm-hmm. He is like, whoa, like, that's a sin. You're going to hell. I was like,
1: ah! Yeah. Briggs
0: screeching. <laughs> yeah. But we were talking about this, and he is more like – it's not like a, you're going to hell. It's more of like a – yeah whoa, like, that's what
1: I've always Mm -hmm. been taught. Yeah, it's very much – it's clearly, like, a learned um, behavior, which makes sense given, like, all the context we've gotten about the town. It's, like, a very small rural community. It's very, like, uh, religion-focused, like, specifically Christianity. And, um, yeah, it's pretty clear that this is, like, learned behavior. And the way that he says it is not – it's really just, like, he's sad that this is going to be, like, the outcome for his friend, hmm. um, more than anything. So it's a good thing that Google exists and he does a little research and soul searching Click in the and next and couple scenes. But yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it is definitely like jarring to hear. But I mean, it all it all comes together and works out as we will soon see. But in the meantime, it is it is very Devastating for Ellie mm-hmm. so she rides her bike home and who is waiting outside her door bro Trig for some reason <laughs> she literally goes
0: this is a nightmare
1: mm-hmm. and he's like I know what's going on I know why you've been hanging around so much why you're always popping up out of nowhere it's cause you're in love with me and she's like yes yeah I'm in love with you <laughs> And he, like, starts going towards her and, like, talking. But thankfully, Ellie's dad is right at the kitchen window and blasts him with the little sink hose. And he's like, I'm wearing cashmere. And then, like, runs off. Yeah. So This is cashmere, please. (laughs) And just, like, he's so silly. Like, mm.
0: (laughs) I think it's interesting because he and Paul are both kind of, like, dumb. Mm -hmm. But very different people like yes i really liked the personalities that each of them had
1: mm-hmm. like yeah. for their character for sure paul um while he is like you know kind of a, a popular jock type he's very quiet and reserved mostly because he's not like great at articulating himself um but he's also like is very kind like it was never set up that he had a reputation of being like mean or a bully or anything like that Which is, again, I think very subversive of what this trope would have been if this movie was made like 20 years before. Mm -hmm. So Ellie goes into her house and just like climbs right up to her room without saying anything to her dad. And on screen we see the quote, hell is other people.
0: We get another montage. Ellie rides her bike to school. There is a banner for Paul's epic touchdown.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Trig chugs the occult on his like four by four aster looks despondent just staring off into space paul google searches how do you know if you're gay when his mom is like hey paul like take out the garbage and he goes and he's like i'm on it she comes into his room to collect a glass and sees his search (laughs) um and ellie and her dad watch a movie so
1: Paul goes to Ellie's house and drops off like a bunch of ground pork for Mr. Chu. And before he leaves, um, Ellie's dad actually stops him. And this is like one of the few instances, I believe, where we actually see him speak English. Mm-hmm. And he asks Paul if him and Ellie broke up. and Paul says that they weren't together, and Mr. Chu says that she seems sad. And Paul gets like kind of quiet and he just says, you don't see her, like who she is, who she could be, her. And in Mandarin, Mr. Chu says, when Ellie's mom died, I fell into a dark hole. I didn't move for days. A few days later, I found Ellie in the booth, manning the switch. She looked up at me, just 13, an adult already. And I smiled. After that, she took over. And then in English, he asks Paul if he's ever loved someone so much that he doesn't want anything about her to change. It's like a really, really tender moment between the two. I really do like that Mm -hmm. we got a little bit of this from Mr. Chu because so much of his character is just like subtext. Mm -hmm. So to have this kind of like... Moment of realization that, like, his daughter has had to take on this role. um, I thought was really special.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that Paul being a figure who not only opened up Ellie, Mm -hmm. like, also touched his father. Yeah, I thought that was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, and hearing him speak English and feeling comfortable enough to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. We go to Easter service at the chapel. Paul shows up late, and his mom is like, you're late. And he's like, I was grinding something. Mm -hmm. She's (laughs) shook. They close the services with Trigg, who's going to do a reading. And he says, like, love is patient, love is kind, and does that quote. And then he announces his love for Aster, And says that she's going to make a fantastic wife and, like, reaches out for her hand. She just stands up and she nods.
1: This is not a proposal. I'm sorry. Like, you didn't even ask her. You will be making (laughs) me a great husband, won't you? Just reach out your hand. You're not even going to ask her the words? Ladies coward. Don't accept a proposal like this. <laughs> yeah. Ladies,
0: please tell yeah. the man you will never. Yeah. <laughs> everyone claps and Ellie yells no. <gasps> so everyone turns to look at her. She can't like get the words mm. out of what she's going to say next. She, I'm sure she didn't even mean to say no yeah. out loud. And so the deacon, aka like Aster's yeah. father is like, Okay, thank you, Ellie. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. But Paul gets up and he says, love isn't pretending. He knows because he's been pretending and it sucks. And he's been thinking about how much it would suck to have to not be yourself your whole life. And then he says that he always thought there was only one right way to love, but there are so many more. And he never wants to be the guy who stops loving someone for loving the way they want to be loved. And Astor's dad is like, okay, that was weird.
1: (laughs) Moving right along. Yeah, so Ellie says that she's been pretending. And Trig is like, Ellie, I'm going to stop you right there. You know? Oh, my God. I know. I know how you feel. And she's like, "Trig, I have been writing your papers for the past four years. If you don't mind, I'm going to rewrite you one last time. And she has this monologue where she says, Love isn't patient and kind and humble. Love is messy and horrible and selfish and bold. It's not finding your perfect half. It's the trying and reaching and failing. Love is being willing to ruin your good painting for a chance at a great one. And she looks directly at Aster and says, is this really the boldest stroke you can make? So Aster realizes that it has been Ellie all along. Mm. She is extremely shocked and hurt. And she goes up to Paul and she slaps him, which would indicate that she's the most angry at Paul. But she's like looking at Ellie when she slaps him. So it's definitely more so directed to her. Yeah. And uh, she leaves the church. Chaos erupts in the church. Everybody is like yelling at each other. Paul's mom turns to him and she's like, "Polly, I don't care if you're gay. Mommy still loves you. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not gay, mom. But I might want to change our sausage recipe. And she's like, what? <laughs> How dare you? She's like <laughs> hitting him with her, her purse. My son. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Ellie goes home and finds her dad making dumplings, like a lot of dumplings. She's like, what's good? This is a lot of dumplings. And he says it's six days worth of dumplings, 18 meals to Grinnell. She's going to college. He is supporting her. Yeah, it was really moving. And also she... Starts, like, cooking with him, like, making the dumplings. And he says they didn't come to this country so she could be like him. They came so she could be like her mother. It's just really, like, Mm -hmm. beautiful to see after. She's always been close with her father, but she has had to be the parent. Mm -hmm. And now he is finally stepping up and um, trying to become that father figure again
1: yeah and i think this moment is also especially poignant because like specifically like within chinese culture it's not super common to really like especially for parents to like say i love you to their children like saying i love you is more so reserved for like romantic relationships but the way that it's kind of expressed within family and stuff is through like acts of service like this so Making, like, this meal, like, doing these various actions is, like, his way of saying I love you. And and I feel like it's it's so clear that we don't need that moment that you would see maybe with, like, if this was a story about, like, a white family where the parent is like, I love you. Like, that mm-hmm. – those words don't need to be said. It's so clear through um, his actions.
0: I do definitely feel like they have an amazingly close mm-hmm. bond in their – understanding of each other and she never seems to be mad at her father for experiencing this depression Mm -hmm. or for taking on more responsibilities i think she is incredibly like understanding every step Mm -hmm. of the way and it's really great to see that the change came from himself and he was like i i need to be i need to like step into Mm -hmm. this role yeah to make sure that i'm there for ellie
1: yeah, definitely.
0: And then after this beautiful moment, she goes, "You don't mean dead, right?" And he's like, "God, I hope not."
1: <laughs> oh. So we then see another title card with a quote from the one and only Ellie Chu: mm-hmm. "Love is messy and horrible and selfish and bold." And we kind of have a little bit of time jump. I assume it's like a couple months later. Yeah. And Ellie runs into Aster on the street. They clearly haven't seen each other in a while. And Aster says, you know, she hasn't been at church because she's been busy working on her portfolio for art school. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Ellie says that that's amazing that she's actually going to art school. And Aster asks what Ellie's plans are. And she's like, oh, I'm actually – going to Grinnell. And Aster's like, well, that's great, Ellie, Like, take care, and starts to walk away. But Ellie does stop her, and she tells her that she's sorry. And she explains that it was only supposed to be one letter, but writing to her was the closest that she's ever come to being heard, and she never meant to hurt her.
0: And Astor says that deep down, she probably knew it was Ellie, because She didn't use enough emojis. (laughs) So the tension kind of breaks. But, yeah, I was shocked to hear her say that she probably knew it was her. Mm -hmm. And then she says, for what it's worth, it's not like it never crossed my mind. If things were different, if I was different. Mm. That is so crazy to hear let me finish this scene and then okay. I'll talk about it. Okay. But I was literally like jaw dropped for this whole scene. So Ellie says she could never be different and starts quoting Aster's words back to her. She's like, I just, God. How uh, do I know I'm
1: different? What does she like, say? What makes me different? Yeah. Like,
0: let me like ask God, how do I know I'm different? Yeah. And Aster tells her to just wait in a couple of years. She's going to be so sure. And Ellie tells her good luck with that. And Aster tells her to find something good in Iowa to believe in, heathen. So Ellie starts biking away, but stops. She runs back and kisses Aster, and Aster, you know, is into it. Like she's she kisses her back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And afterwards, Ellie is like... (laughs) I'll see you in a few years and (laughs) bikes away with like a huge smile on her face.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say that I knew they weren't going to end up together Mm -hmm. and I figured she would be understanding because she like Astor is actually like a really nice person. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she was like, I'm questioning my beliefs, I'm questioning mm-hmm. my faith, I'm questioning my sexuality. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought it would just be like, you know what, we can still be friends, like, I forgive you. Bestie
1: vibes only, yeah. But she was so
0: into her. Yeah. But she's not at that point yet. hmm yeah. And they're both going to college anyway, but... They're both going to liberal arts schools,
1: so you know she's going to a
0: fine arts school
1: (laughs) yeah yeah true
0: yeah that was like great to see because it felt very very realistic
1: yeah definitely um i feel like it's pretty rare that we see a character that is a little bit more like fluid and questioning i feel like usually Mm -hmm. in um a lot of like queer rom-coms and stuff it's mostly just like you're a lesbian or you're gay and it's like that or that but it is it is cool to kind of see this character who's like just kind of on the beginning of that journey of figuring out her identity and you know
0: and i think that would resonate with like a lot of people who are younger
1: definitely yeah Mm -hmm. so our final scene of the film ellie is getting ready to board her train to iowa And uh, Paul gives her a cooler full of the dumplings and like we see Ellie's dad in the window in his station manager uniform. So he's going back to work. And Paul says that he'll keep him busy tasting new ketchups. (laughs) And Ellie actually congratulates Paul on his little write up in the town crier. So Munsky sausages, they're on their way. And he's like, yeah, we're totally going to blow up and ellie does start to leave but first she sends paul's some emojis it's like the pineapple the owl and the caterpillar with the glasses and he's like you know the caterpillar does look smart (laughs) and she's like yeah too smart to be standing on a platform crying like some wussy because paul is a little mosh
0: yeah
1: and he's like i'm not crying and she just calls him a wussy as she gets onto the train. And when she sits in her seat and looks out the window, she, like, mouths it to him one more time. The train starts to move, and Ellie starts getting a little emotional. And that's when we see from the window behind her, Paul running beside the train, and he yells out, like, hey, hey. And Ellie Uh looks out the window, and Paul is running alongside the train with his big, goofy smile on his face. And... She starts to, like, sob while she's laughing and, like, tears are streaming down her face and, you know, eventually the train gets too far for him to keep up and she just, Mm -hmm. like, calls him a moron. And she looks around the train at, like, all of the people looking out the window and just has, like, a kind of moment to herself where she's like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And that's the half of it. Also,
0: in the final scene, we see her dad in the station uniform. And when the train initially rolls in,
1: the, like, automated mm. thing comes down. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, like, wasn't using it before because he's like, I don't trust it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I watched it, I watched this movie twice. I watched it once just to watch it and then the second time to take notes. And I didn't cry the first time, but I did cry at the ending the second time. I think just because I was, like, more in it. But, yeah, just, like, Ellie crying as he's, like, running alongside the train. It got me. It really did. I was like, wow, what a beautiful friendship.
0: Yeah. I really liked this movie. I think that the coming-of-age story was so, um, like, resonant and Mm -hmm. realistic. To, like, see something that isn't set in a big town – is so rare yeah like i feel like so many teen movies that come out now like a kissing booth it's like we live in a mansion and we're like on the beach all the time like it's always super like no one lives like that it's like the top Mm -hmm. one percent yeah type of thing so yeah seeing someone even if it doesn't get to the point of actually dating but kind of reckoning with their sexuality mm-hmm. and their confidence. I feel like that is yeah the most like overarching thing is that Ellie learns to open up and to make friends mm-hmm. and to be honest with herself and others.
1: Yeah. She definitely goes through such a beautiful transformation of like learning how to be vulnerable and to like really can take control of what she wants. Um because up until this point, like she's really been living her life for others and like it's amazing like all the stuff that she has done to like help her family but she definitely did like lose herself a little bit along the way so it is really great to get to see that she is now going on to like a new phase of her life where she can actually start to think about herself a little bit more and and what she wants and you know have good experiences and make connections with people and I think that the reason this feels so different to other like teen rom teen rom-coms is not just because like tonally it's more grounded, but just like Ellie is so different than I feel like any other protagonist I've really seen mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a teen movie. Cause usually it's like, Oh, she's like lovable and like a little bit clumsy and, and you know, but she's like sweet and outgoing, but Ellie is just very different. She's very guarded and she has this, mm-hmm. this really like rich internal life that through the course of the movie we get to see become external.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated her acting choices and the mm-hmm. direction because I loved that character so much. Like mm-hmm. I didn't find her character to be off-putting in a way where I was like, "Oh, because you're not nice, like I'm not rooting for you." It was like Yeah. You are someone who I feel like we have all been at one point who's confused mm-hmm. about who they are, who doesn't really know what their next move is, like, you know, going out of state to this college or staying at home. Like, there are so many facets of her that are so relatable. Yeah. And yeah, I, I definitely feel like seeing someone who isn't even maybe reckoning with, like, dating a woman, but just being in love and that, like, first love feeling and also mm-hmm. being scared of being judged or, like, Aster's character being someone who is questioning her faith and sexuality and all these things Mm -hmm. and being in, like, a rural town and, like, Paul trying to figure out what he's good at and Mm -hmm. figuring out, like, how to be more authentic to himself. Yeah. Like, I just thought there were so many great components to the movie and it was something I wish I had seen when I was growing up, like... Yeah. Would have been such a great movie to see because I feel like you can actually learn something. It's not just hokey and like cookie cutter.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I really love the way that it takes a lot of these like really classic tropes that we see mm-hmm. in like these types of movies and subverts them, um, but not in a way that feels like gimmicky or anything. It's it just, yeah, it just feels really authentic and down to earth. And, and um, yeah, the movie has like a very comforting feeling. It also like Color-wise, it's quite, like, muted in color, but not in a way that feels, like, gray. It's just... um, Like a
0: lot of browns and greens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially because, like, the Chew House, it's all kind of, like, yellows and brown tones and stuff like that, which I think is very much in line with her home life compared to her school life, where it's a lot of, like, blues and uh, kind of cooler colors. So I like the way that they kind of played with the differences between those two.
0: Yeah, also, now that I'm realizing... There isn't a lot of like you said, like bright colors or greens or anything. Mm-hmm. Except when they're at the pond.
1: Yes. Yeah. Kind of the marriage of the the yellow tones of home, the blue tones at school, making the green with like Aster and LA together. Wow. Color theory. Crazy. What? Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I definitely I definitely recommend uh, I definitely recommend this film. I think that it, it kind of got a little bit like forgotten in the shuffle a little lost in the sauce in the pandemic. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like yeah. I feel like it should
0: I feel like it should be re-released in a movie theater. Mhm. That's just me.
1: Yes, I think it would do very well. But on that note, shall we do our final Pride Month rating?
0: Yes. Um I'm actually going to give this movie a
1: 10. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, I really really wow. liked it. I was gonna give it a nine, but yeah, it was it was really good. I'm also really glad that I watched it twice.
0: Yeah, I watched it twice as well.
1: I liked it the first time, but then like really having like a closer watch of it the second time, I feel like I I liked it even more, and I got so many more details because there are so many like beautiful details in this film.
0: Uh, I feel emotional. Yeah, yeah, I really like found this movie to be touching i don't even want to like go into any further but i just thought it was super beautiful i would really really recommend if you haven't seen it and it's on netflix Mm -hmm. in the u.s
1: yeah it can as well it's a netflix original so
0: there you go yeah easy access
1: wow well thank you so much everybody for joining us all month long for all these pride month movies i really had a great time getting to like watch so many new movies and find some new great ones to add to my list of favorites
0: Yes, it was an amazing month. You know, keep celebrating all year long. It doesn't have to be one month only. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to talk about anything, our DMs, our email, it's always open.
1: Yeah, you can always DM us at Movies That Raised Us on Instagram. You can send us an email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod and on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod.
1: Yeah, and uh, we will see you next week for the start of
0: Pod Pod Girl Girl Summer.
1: Summer. So excited. We have some great movies lined up. Mm -hmm. So get ready to celebrate the summer, the heat, go to the beach, grab a cocktail.
0: Yeah, stop sending us death threats because we are going to do Dirty Dancing.
1: (laughs) I promise. It's on the schedule. (laughs) Don't worry. We're doing Dirty Dancing this year.
0: (laughs) But with that being said, we will see you next week.
1: I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt.
0: Bye. Bye.